And uh, we're speaking about the Holy Spirit. We, uh, we did this this morning and I said that we would come back to it tonight. And uh, what we said this morning is too much to go back across tonight. So if you're interested, then you can get the CD of that after the service if you wish to. But I want you to come with me to Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1. And uh, reading verse, from verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then, of course, Jesus ascended back into heaven, and the... Uh, went into that upper room for 10 days. And in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There is no question that for these early church disciples that the major turning point in their experience after Christ had been crucified after he rose again from the dead and after he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father was the day of Pentecost. That baptism changed everything. This was the pivotal moment whenever they completely changed because now they had found a new boldness, a new confidence to witness for Christ. No longer did they feel intimidated. No longer did they feel in any way doubtful or hesitant about their position in Christ. Now they were full of the Holy Spirit. And that boldness and courage and confidence and all that the Holy Spirit does in us, that began to shine through. The Scriptures became alive to them. Peter in his first sermon, if you care to read it, you'll see that it's peppered with scriptures. And my guess is that maybe for the first time in his life, even though he memorized them, had known them for all of those years, but suddenly the Holy Spirit that we said this morning, the author of scripture, enlightened him and emboldened him, and the scriptures were flying out of him. And things were beginning to happen that had never happened before. And so... I want to speak tonight about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit was not just for that day, it's for today. It's not just for a few select believers, it's for every born-again child of God, without exception, across every denomination. Not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a denominational thing. It's an experience of the Holy Ghost that's for every born-again 
believer. And it's for today. In Acts chapter 2, after Peter had preached to them, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit moved upon their hearts. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now they had to be born again to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So he's telling them to get saved and get baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to those who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. Is he still calling people to repentance? Is he still calling people to salvation? then the baptism in the Holy Spirit is still for today. No question about that. In Luke chapter 11. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who receives For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't see anywhere there that says that this stopped during the era of the apostles. It's still open for today. So what hinders us from receiving this wonderful baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, a number of things, but often it's simply just doubt creeps in. Doubt that it's for me. Doubt that even it's for today, but doubt that it's for me personally. It may be for others, or it may be for people of a certain persuasion, or it may be people who call themselves Pentecostal, but is it for me? Leave the tags and the labels aside for a moment. Is it for me? Don't doubt that it's for you. Sometimes we doubt because maybe we feel that we're not good enough. That somehow or other we haven't attained a certain standard. The Holy Spirit in us is to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to give us that strength that we need to be a better Christian, to be a more effective believer. And so if you're going to wait till you're good enough, you're never going to be good enough. And so you don't have to be special to receive, you have to be a believer. You have to be hungry. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know whether you're hungry or whether you're not. I hope that you're hungry. I hope that you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, because then you will be filled. Sometimes... 
we're afraid. Sometimes it gets right to the point where we're afraid that, that if we ask for God to fill us with His Spirit, that something else is going to happen. That somehow or other the devil will get mixed up in this. That's, that's a genuine fear of people. And that if we stand before God or we kneel before God or we sit before God and we open up our hearts, that at that point in all seriousness and genuineness, we're seeking the Lord, we're hungry and thirsty after righteousness, at that point, then we get frightened. Hey, if I do this, then the devil's going to get in. What in the world would make you think that? Why would you think that? All in the devil make you think that. Why would you think if you're hungry and you're thirsting after righteousness, and you're genuinely seeking the Lord, and you open up your heart to receive, why do you think God would be pushed aside and the devil would jump in? It's ridiculous, isn't it? But sometimes that is a genuine fear. But oftentimes, the thing that really frightens people is the tongues business. Oh, I want the Holy Spirit and I want His fullness and I want His power. I want His presence. But I'm not sure about that tongues business. God, could you just not leave that aside? I'm a wee bit uncomfortable about the tongues business. You know, because I, I don't understand it and it's a bit scary and I hear others speaking in tongues and I think, what in the world's going on there? And, you know, so, so those thoughts begin to come into the mind. And oftentimes, that's the very thing that prevents us from wholly seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit because we're scared of the tongues. If I don't mention the tongues, just pray for me. Don't mention the tongues. Well, I'm sorry, I can't. It's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. There's five separate occasions in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit comes upon people. And out of those five times, three of those occasions, tongues are absolutely explicit. We'll read these scriptures in a moment. The other two occasions, they are implicit. Let's look at the times when they were explicit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we read it together there in a moment. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so there's no question in that instance. It's obvious and it states it clearly. It's explicit. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. In Acts chapter 10, Remember how Peter went to the house of Cornelius? In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 
Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Explicit. No argument about it. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Good question. Question we should all ask. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said to them, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. Baptism of repentance. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Explicit. No arguments. Filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues. Now the implicit ones in Acts chapter 8... Philip is having a revival in the city of Samaria. Verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and multitudes with one accord. He did the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, and as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They only had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." And when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter says, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that they spoke with tongues when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but 
There's something implicit here. There's something implied. This man had seen all the miracles under Philip's ministry. He was amazed. He was astonished. But whenever Peter and John came and laid hands upon something happened. They received the Holy Spirit, but something happened that absolutely startled this man, amazed him even more, that he even wanted to buy this power to do this. Could that be speaking in other tongues? I think there's an implication there. We know that the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 how that he had that tremendous experience on the road to Damascus, wonderfully and gloriously saved. And then how the Lord spoke to Ananias and told him in the vision about Saul of Tarsus, and told him to go on to him, pray for him. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. That you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not explicit. It doesn't say he spoke with other tongues. But we do know from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 18, he says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So I don't have any problem believing there was that particular point at that moment in time when he began to speak in other tongues. And so as we read through the book of Acts, we can see that out of those five times, the least three clear-cut times, when the Holy Ghost came, they spoke with other tongues. And two times it was strongly implied that something happened that they saw. Now what are tongues? Other tongues. See, there's some people say that, well, this was on the day of Pentecost so that Peter could preach to that great multitude that had come uh, into Jerusalem for the great feast. So let me read that to you again in chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sign occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born, Perithians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, 
visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, sent another, whatever could this mean? Now again, no question that in that upper room, when these disciples were speaking in other tongues, that those outside, and you can be sure it must have been pretty loud, those out there, because there was closed doors, but those outside from all those nations heard them clearly, plainly, fluently speaking in their language. And they were amazed because they knew they were just Galileans. Where did they learn these languages? How come they speak our language? And they were absolutely astounded. They heard them talking about the wonderful works of God. Others mocking said they're full of new wine, they're drunk. Well, I think speaking another language would be a sign of intelligence, not stupidity. Sure it would. Sure it would. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem. Notice who he specifically addresses. Not from Cappadocia, not the Cretans, not the Arabs, but when they come out of that upper room and he stands before them with the eleven, he's speaking in his native tongue. He's not preaching to them in their languages because he only addresses the men of Judea and you who dwell in Jerusalem. Not the visitors that had come to the feast that had heard them in the upper room. He's still with me. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. Sin is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And on and on he goes. So what then is the purpose of tongues? Well, some say it's gibberish. It's gobbledygook. It's the stuff of nonsense. Some mock it. Some evangelicals mock it. To their shame, I say. But what is it? Well, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he gives us a little insight here. In verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue, or an unknown tongue, that means, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So when you speak prophetically, you'll be speaking in your own native language. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Edify means to build up. It's where we get the word edifice from, a building. 
So one of the benefits of speaking other tongues is to build up yourself spiritually. That's what Paul's saying here. So there's purpose to it. Not gibberish. Because we don't understand it doesn't mean there's no purpose to it. And one of the purposes here is to build ourselves up spiritually. He who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Excuse me, am I reading that right? This is supposed to be done away with during the apostles. I wish that you all spoke with tongues. Did I see any tags or labels here about denominations? Uh, Did I see any exclusion here? I wish that you all spoke with tongues. Then he says, but rather that you prophesied. Because prophecy is greater. The reason why it's greater, he goes on to say, and I haven't time to go into all this tonight, the reason why it's greater is, is because it's for a wider audience. When you speak in tongues, it's for yourself, except there's, it's in a church setting and there's interpretation to it, then it's, it's like prophecy, it's the same as prophecy. And everybody can understand it. Everybody gets edified. Paul goes on to say later on, he says, if I come among you and all I do is speak in tongues, if I get up here tonight saying I just open the Bible and just start speaking in tongues for the next 45 minutes, well, why that would do me the power of good, it would do you absolutely no good. Except, say, Clifford started interpreting. Well, that'd be a long interpretation, but... But that's what Paul was saying. But on a personal level, it does you the power of good. It's for your benefit, for your advantage, to build yourself up spiritually. That's what he's saying. Verse 15, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. And so we can pray in the Spirit, we can pray in other tongues, but we ought to pray in a language we understand too. Because whenever we pray in other tongues, we're praying directly to God. We may not understand it, but we're praying directly to God. But whenever we start to pray, and we in a language that we do understand, then our mind is not unfruitful because it understands what we're praying. I suppose that's obvious. But Paul's making the differential between these two things here. Then again, verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So in other words, if we spent the whole service speaking in tongues, while it would do us any good, while it would do us good individually, it wouldn't do us any good corporately. And it's okay in any part of the service to speak in other tongues, but if we take the whole service speaking in tongues or a large part of it, the only one's going to be edified is the one who's speaking in tongues. Romans chapter 8.
Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. One translation said, in our inarticulate speech. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we believe there's a, an aspect, a facet of the Holy Spirit in our lives where we can speak in other tongues and we're in prayer and we start to feel a deep burden to pray that we find that we find it difficult to express in articulate speech that the Holy Spirit can help us through the operation of tongues because God knows the mind of the Spirit. And so there are advantages, benefits on a personal level from speaking other tongues. There's also advantages and benefits on a corporate level in speaking other tongues if there is interpretation. Didn't this die away with the apostles? Or didn't this die away with the completion of the word of God? Well, let's look at that just for a moment or two. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are you all apostles? Are you all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do you all have gifts of healing? Do you all speak with tongues? Do you all interpret? Notice here, this is the gift chapter and he's talking about gifts within the church setting. Notice how he puts tongues and interpretation together because it's in a church setting. But earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. Then he goes on into the love chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love and become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Verse 13, Now faith, hope, love, these three Abide, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Then he goes on, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God, and so forth. So there's nowhere here that says actually that we should only desire love and to walk in love, well, we absolutely should desire that but it also said to pursue spiritual gifts. And so there's something here just more than just love, but to pursue spiritual gifts. And then, he goes on through that whole chapter, wishing that we spoke in tongues, wishing that everybody spoke in tongues, him saying, I speak with tongues more than you all. Not that we have time to read this tonight, but if you were to read there, you would see that this whole chapter is to do with the operation of 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit within a church setting, when and how and where and how many and whatever, and uh, that's really not going to be our subject tonight. But in the end, he says, verse 30, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, that all things be done decently and in order. And so, Paul is not saying that there should be no tongue speaking, that there should be no prophecy, that there should be no gifts, but that it should be done within order, the biblical order. That's all he's saying. And so, there's every reason then why we should pursue a baptism in the Holy Spirit and not to be afraid of speaking in other tongues. Now, I should have mentioned there that it was in my mind and that went out of my mind, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter, of course, and this is oftentimes people who are against uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit for today or speaking in other tongues for today use this. Verse 8, love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But then that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Now the argument goes something like this. The argument goes, well, look, we have got the full canon of Scripture. It's complete. It's perfect. That's true. Inerrant. And it's complete and perfect. All 66 books are here. There'll never be a 67th or 68th. Can't add on, nor can we take away. Full canon of Scripture. But our understanding of it is far from complete. Far from complete. There's not one of us, there's not one preacher in the land today has a full understanding of everything that's in this book. And prophecy is in part. All of the gifts are in part, not complete. But one day, when Christ returns, he who is perfect, when he returns and he takes us to the glory, then we don't need that. In fact, there'll be no preaching in heaven then. Aren't you glad for that? You'll not have to listen to people like me every week. Don't say amen. <laughs> you were tempted there, weren't you? I was looking at the crowd here just to see who would say amen. <laughs> there is nowhere in that chapter that says that since we have the full canon of Scripture, that the gifts of the baptism or tongues, is finished. That is something that men made up. And it's not scriptural, and it's not right. And often it's used as a way of preventing people from moving on regarding the baptism. So how then do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First of all, you've got to realize that it's for you. Now, all these are rather obvious, but we need to mention them. You've got to realize that this is for you. You've got to be convinced that this is for you. God's not going to do anything against your will. He's not going to beat you over the head. He's not going to ram something down your throat. You've got to 
you've got to be convinced this is for me. And if you're not convinced tonight, then go home, read the scriptures, read all those scriptures and more, and be convinced. And God will be very patient with you. But get yourself convinced. John chapter 7. Clifford read this a little bit earlier on during that worship time. Verse 37, on that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Pentecost hadn't come at that point. They who believe on him would receive. There's the invitation to receive. And so realize and believe that it's for you. And to as many as the Lord your God shall call. Are you called tonight? Then it's for you. Accept it as a gift. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not a reward. It's not something you earn. It's not something you get to a certain position where you have enough merit points. It's a free gift of God. This baptism is free. So realize this is a gift from Christ to me. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Settle a tongues issue. Settle it. If a son asks his father for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? You being evil or natural, who know how to give good gifts to your kids, will not your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? Another gospel says give good things to those who ask him. You could put that together and say the good things of the Holy Spirit. This is a good thing. So settle that issue. And then relax. Relax. Over the years, I have seen people waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to make light of this, but you would think they're in a dentist's chair waiting for the drill to come. (coughs) Relax. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a gift of God. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be excited but not afraid. Relax. God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. And be persistent. Be hungry. Ask. Seek. And knock. Isn't it interesting that Jesus put that together when it comes to the Holy Spirit? 
Why am I telling you that? Because too many people who ask and at that moment don't feel they have received, give up. Got to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. There's all kinds of reasons why sometimes at that moment that we don't receive, but don't give up. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's for you. You got to say, Lord, this is for me. I want it. I'm getting hungry for this. Maybe the Lord just wants to see how hungry we are. And then we can receive. One of the best experiences I had was in my own home, in my own house. And for some of you, that may be your best experience too. Others, it's easier in a church setting just like this. God doesn't care where you receive as long as you receive. Some people have received in their bed. Some people have received driving along in their car, although I don't recommend that. Pull into the... Into the, into the site. If I was to ask all of you who have had a baptism in the Holy Spirit, if I was to ask you all, I almost guarantee all of you would be different. This is what God wants for you. This is his gift to you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to give you more boldness, to give you greater witness some of you are going to go through this witness workshop course that's coming up. And you're going to learn a lot how to approach people. Learn some scriptures, what to say. Learn to, some objections that you may get, how to deal with those things. But I tell you this, the greatest thing is the Holy Ghost in you. And when you go to witness to somebody and you go to these courses, you pray for the power of the Holy Spirit that when you go out to do some evangelism, in your workplace or wherever, that you have the Holy Spirit working in you, otherwise you'd just be spouting scriptures to people. But when the Holy Spirit's in you, working through you, emboldening you and giving you power and giving you insight, you'll say the right thing to the right person at the right time. Something will come out of you that you didn't even know was there. A scripture will pop into your mind that has been lying dormant for years and the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your members. It'll just come like that. You'll be able to give an answer. Say, well, I haven't got an answer. Well, just be honest with people and say, well, I'm sorry at this minute. That's a wonderful question. I just don't have an answer to that right now. But if you don't mind, I'll come back to you and I'll give you an answer. That gives you two bites at the cherry. So that's okay, isn't it? I mean, you're not the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge, sure you're not. But I guarantee you, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have more answers than you ever thought you had. They'll just come to you. Things that you'd learn. Maybe something you heard preached 10 years ago, suddenly it'll just come back to you and a little illustration and just be able to give that. And you can lead somebody to Christ. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? What could be better? What could be greater than that? Amen. Clifford can tell you and all of you as you went to the Ukraine, the one thing you find out when you go to the Ukraine, the biggest tongue talkers we've ever heard in our life, isn't it? You think William Dick's a tongue talker? You haven't been to the Ukraine, William. If anybody believes in that gift, it's those people in the Ukraine that we go to, isn't it? Clifford and I, the, one of the first times we went, 
we were lying in bed one morning and we heard this noise outside in the back garden. It got louder and louder and louder and louder. It was a whole family out speaking in tongues out in the garden. You'd heard it three streets away. It didn't worry them. They woke up the whole neighborhood. That didn't bother them. They were enjoying it. And then they started to pray. Boy, they can pray, can't they? I've, I don't think I've ever heard them praying without praying in tongues first, did you? I mean, they really go for it. They really believe it. No wonder they're getting the results they're getting too. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Christ wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And he's here tonight. And it can happen for you tonight. This night can happen to you. Amen? Amen. Good. All right. We're going to have the worship team come up. And listen, let me say this to you. I'm going to invite people to come forward in a moment or two. Let me say, nobody's going to push at you. Nobody in here is going to push at you. One thing I hate it sometimes, please, I've been people pushing me. Nothing guaranteed for me to resist that and somebody pushing at me. Hands will be laid on you, but nobody's going to push at you. All right? So we're not going to push at you or embarrass you in any way, but we're going to try to help you. Now, some people say, well, if everybody starts speaking in tongues, maybe I'll just copy them. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't. I guarantee you won't. You couldn't anyway. You couldn't copy if you tried. So that's not going to happen. And it's good that if others speak in tongues. That helps. All of that helps. In the day of Pentecost in the upper room, everybody was speaking in tongues. Without exception, all 120. Out loud. <laughs> no wonder the place shook. So we're going to pray for you. So would the team come, please? Those of you who are coming. And this is not to set some kind of a mood for you. This is simply to help us to worship because we want to be in an attitude of worship, don't we? Whenever we go to pray for people, it's good to be in an attitude of worship. It encourages all of us. And Clifford's going to help me in this. William Dick's going to help me in this. If ever there's a man filled with the Holy Ghost, it's William Dick. That's the truth, isn't it? And we're going to pray for you tonight. Anybody who wants prayer, we're going to pray for you. Now you say, well... I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can speak in other tongues. I've had that experience, but I'm very dry. I am very dry. Well, Jesus said there'd be a river would flow from you. So if the river's dry, it's time to get a flood, isn't it? It's time to get a taste of the river. The song says it brings life wherever it goes. So maybe tonight you have the experience but you haven't been doing much with that experience and you've gone a bit dry, a little bit cold, left things aside. Let's do it tonight. Let's get a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit tonight. Amen. All right, let's do it. Another thing I found is this. Whenever we come to pray for you, Chances are that you'll be standing saying, glory to God, praise the Lord, hallelujah, wonderful. And that's okay, but you can't speak. 
two things at the same time. Can't do it. So sometimes you have to just be quiet and allow that new language to come up right over your tongue. You see, you've got to surrender this old voice box. You've got to surrender these vocal cords. You can't speak with your mouth shut either. Sure you can't. Not the last time I checked out. I know this sounds simple, but a child who has to learn to speak has to open its mouth, has to say something, doesn't it? Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. And for that new language to come, you don't have to understand it. Allow that new language to come. It'll be different than anybody else's. It'll be different than anybody else's. Don't worry about that. Are you ready? Do you want the touch of the Holy Spirit? I do. I need the Holy Spirit constantly. And you do too. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to make you do anything. If you want, if you're willing, tonight, then we'll be happy to pray with you and believe God will touch you. Amen? All right, stand with us, please. Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in Your strength and Thy power. Sing it again. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. One more time, Tony. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and We're going to sing it one more time only this time if you want to receive then I want you to come out just stand at the front give yourself a little bit of space between each other make yourself comfortable 
Don't worry about the person beside you. Don't worry about what happens that goes on around you. Don't get distracted in that. It's just between you and the Lord. Just think about Him. It's Christ who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He wants to touch you tonight. And I'm going to ask William to come out and join us here. And Clifford's here. William's there. And then in a moment or two, as you come and you stand in the presence of the Lord, we're just going to come and we're going to touch you in the name of the Lord, lay our hands on you and ask Christ to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You say, David, I'm filled, but I need another infilling. That's fine. That's good. Praise God. We need all the touch we can get from the Holy Spirit. So let's sing it again and just come then. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and thy power. Oh, come in my own special way. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Oh, come in thy own special way. Some of you other men and women, could you come and just stand behind these friends here at the front? I don't want you to do anything with them or say anything to them, but just, just be there with them. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. <coughs>